Welcome to this rebroadcast of an interview with Chris Shea, founder of Life's Journey Life Coaching. Learn more about Chris Shea by visiting his website, www.lifesjourneyblog.com. Just a subtle little glimmer Some suggestion that you'd have me If I could only make me better Then I would stand a little stronger As I walk a little taller All the time Because I know you are a cynic But I think I can convince you That cause broken people can get better If they really want to Or at least that's what I have to tell myself If I am hoping to One day this will all be over. Welcome to Talk Recovery Radio. Hello, my name is Giuseppe, and I'm in studio live with uh, my co-host, Darren Gaylor. Hello, Darren. I'm Uh, present. Hello. You're present. Present. Frances, however, isn't present today. She needed a day off today. She skipped. She skipped. So, big shout out to Frances. I hope you're listening. And uh, we just are coming down from uh, a very busy, well, I am anyway, from a very busy Pride weekend. Uh, Clean, sober, and proud. I'm the chair of the committee there. And uh, wow, (laughs) that's all I can say. I mean, we turned Clean, Sober, and Proud into one of the hottest ticket items for Vancouver Pride. It was the most talked about event, and it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, we started Clean, Sober, and Proud in 2009 with about nine people, really. We had a a friend of mine's a cowboy, and he's got a truck, and we're like, hey, cowboy, can we use your truck and stick gay stuff all over it? (laughs) He's like, I don't know about that, and I'm like, you have to, and we did our first float. And fast forward to now, and we had a huge dance called Intoxicated, which is, was the fifth anniversary, and we closed down Butte and Davy. And uh, let me tell you, it was a party. We sold out like a week in advance, and and there was hundreds of people around the fence. And um, did you see the flash I, mob? I saw the videos posted. I was sort of following it. I, I mean, I, I was I was at home with my two year old. Yeah, I would have loved to have have come down there and, and and saw it firsthand. I usually do every year somehow uh, get down there. Um, I, I mean, obviously, uh, the the parade was always something I attended. Um, but this year, it was just sort of from the couch watching it. But it, I. I'm just amazed, Giuseppe. Like, I mean, this is your background, right? You used what, back gay? in the day. Gay? No. <laughs> I, I, yeah, back in the day, you were gay. Uh, I think it was a Wednesday. Uh, no, back. In the, but you used to run events. Yeah, I've like been doing events for over two decades. You so. got clean before, right? You used yeah. to throw big parties, yeah. and I was just thinking how amazing it is, you know, because oftentimes. 
a lot of us feel like we have to give up everything that we've ever worked for because it's not like our histories were all dark. Like some of us went to school, some of us pursued uh, dreams and, and were there and, and, and got caught up in the addiction. And sometimes it's like we're told that, you, you know, you got to give it all up or, you know what I mean? Because it's so much part of the pattern of, of addiction. And sometimes it is, um, you know, but who would have thought that being an event organizer uh, to the extent that that it was this weekend, you know, would have been sort of uh, something to do in your recovery. And I, and I think, I mean, it's just it 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 provides that that peace, yeah. and that element that's that's been missing and that this city needs. It's it's awesome. So it's congratulations. What are our talents and how we can use that in recovery? And for those of you that saw the float, we built the Starship Enterprise. We actually built a replica of it and had about forty passengers recovery of the new frontier and uh, it was built all by recovering addicts and then everybody's just bringing in their talents i mean a couple hundred volunteers were needed to create that but the flash mob is what i want to touch on before we get into our interview so which is probably one of the you know my decades of putting on events i've never experienced anything like this so this wasn't planned this was not planned it was just somebody comes up to me like just happy did you see what they're doing on the street and i was just like <laughs> you know my first reaction was like oh my god what you know and then there was just all this commotion and, and i go out there and just this sense of energy that just came from the street every time the light turned red everybody would start dancing <laughs> on the street everyone that was kind of around our fence was started off with like a couple dozen people they did it for an hour and a half and at the highlight there must have been like 500 people <laughs> just going in on all these cars would stop and they some would get stuck in the intersection and some people would get mad some people would like jump out of their cars and start dancing yeah. just as, as exactly how Canadians party we part ways as soon as the light turned green and let all the traffic go through but somebody had sent me a message and um, and this is I really wanted to get to it but somebody's calling me on my phone so I can't check the messages. Stop calling. Uh, yeah, Giuseppe's stop on calling. air. Get out of here, Connor. Okay, call ended. And so let me just go to the message really quick. Um, and then we're going to get to our interview. So just wanted to say Untoxicated was my favorite event this year. I loved the fact that the raw talent of all the great performers and event is what held the crowd, not any sort of substance. Even though personally I have not struggled with addiction, it made me very humble to support those who do. If you ever need any volunteers, please don't be afraid to reach out. And I've gotten quite a few messages like that yeah and it's kind of bigger picture yeah like why do a clean and sober proud float why do all that time and energy why have a dance you know it's just like why and it's just bigger picture it's like break the stigma of recovery break the stigma of what you need to do to party and the premise of this show and and it still happens in my life i get phone calls from friends of friends of friends asking you know to get in touch with me because somebody told them my story and it's like how how do we get my son my cousin my brother whatever my daughter help like like what what's the first step i mean there's so many people that have no idea and and i think you know that weekend is so family oriented and people just coming down like and there's a to have a huge message of of you know that many people that are are clean and sober and in recovery it's just like it's such a needed message 
Next year, we'll do it again. Yeah. All right. So now every week we come to you live on Co-op Radio 100.5 FM. We talk about many different pathways to recovery, and there's a lot of them. And uh, some are awesome, and some are questionable, and some are just, you know, people's opinions and ideas. So we honor all of them and try to give them an opportunity to share their message live on the radio. Today we've got a special guest, and uh, his name is Chris Shea. And uh, we welcome him. He's a life coach, a blogger, and a certified addictions counselor about inner peace and meditation. And uh, something I definitely need more in my life. Welcome to the show, Chris. Are you there? I am here. Thank you for having me. Oh, you and welcome. Hey, that, that weekend sounded awesome. It was absolutely fan fabulistic. <laughs> That's a word. I, I'm, I'm listening to you guys talking, thinking, you know, I, I missed something good. Yeah, well, you can come next year. <laughs> we do it every Pride season. <laughs> Vancouver Pride Society is a big supporter of recovery, and, and they give us an opportunity to have a big party. But it's your turn now, so let's hear about um, uh, your life's journey, the Life's Journey blog, and, and what it is that uh, uh, people can learn from your blogging. Well, and... Um kind of in, in the vein that you're going with is, you know, what I'm looking toward is the whole theme of how do we find our inner peace? Okay. How do we find the happiness that we're seeking? And a lot of what I write about deals with community and relationships. And, you know, so when you're talking about events, you know, like, like what you were just saying, that's really what brings together uh, you know, people so that we can, within that group, find our support and in that support, find our inner peace. And I, I've been working in a, the addiction recovery field for over 20 years, and I absolutely love working in that field because you actually see people change their lives. And in seeing that life change and, and seeing someone you know, who, who comes in for help, who's, you know, either at their wit's end or at their bottom, whatever it may be, to leave that program in, in a recovery uh, mode, you know, of saying, hey, life is wonderful and I feel at peace and, you know, things are great. And, and it's not that I'm not going to have any problems left in my life, but it's more of, of that, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to have problems, but now I know how to handle them in a way that doesn't take away my inner peace. Many people, when they are new to recovery or their employer is forcing them to go to treatment or, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, that they finally have that turning point and say, hey, I, I, I think I need help. Um, forcibly or, or voluntarily. Uh, I remember when I did anyway, um, I had no inner peace, and so a lot of it was I was just self-centered to the core. And I really, I remember very vividly. I, I wasn't a person that went to counselors or psychiatrists. I never did that. It's just I got in big trouble and I went to rehab. So I remember the first mm -hmm. time I kind of started my EAP, sent me to this counselor, and he told me to sit in a chair and breathe. You know, breathe. I never been. I thought meditation was Buddhism, and I just, you know, never. I was so ignorant to it all. And and I remember sitting in that Three Bridges clinic, not being able to breathe. <laughs> now I'll, I'll never forget it. Mind you, I was on a on a ton of cocaine, but <laughs> like I yeah. couldn't. 
That, I that, couldn't breathe. <laughs> and I remember thinking, how in the heck is this going to help me use my cocaine better? You know what I mean? Like, I was so mixed up. And so... Now I, I learned what inner peace and, and what meditation really is. And so I'm just wondering, what, give us a brief description of what inner peace is for somebody that uh, might be new to recovery or, or someone that's struggling with that. In inner peace, and this would be either for somebody, you know, new in recovery, but even for anyone. I mean, one, one of the goals that I'm, I'm trying to get out, uh, you know, to even people not suffering from the addictions and recovery is we can live in the way that people live in recovery in, in this inner peace. And what I'm looking at in, in inner peace is that there is the connection between my values and my morals and my direction in life is all in line with the actions that I'm taking. Mm. So the things that I'm doing fit who I am. Okay. And uh, again, that can mean that, that life can throw us a huge curveball. That can mean that we can still have sadness in life or anger or any of those types of emotions. But my response to those emotions, if still within a connectedness to who I am, I can still be at peace within myself while I'm sad or at peace within myself while I'm angry or whatever it may be, I can still hold that within myself and say, but I'm being true to who I am while I'm experiencing all this other stuff. Okay. So it, of... it's really this understanding of, of myself, and, and that's where I think the meditation is important because it helps us to understand, well, who am I? You know, well, what is it about me that I like? What is it about me that I would like to improve on? Uh, you know, so the more I can learn about me, the more I can find out how I can live in, in alignment with who I am. Because mm. when I was in uh, the very beginnings, I, I really questioned why meditation, why step 11, why taking, you know, doing some work on myself would help me. Um, like, well, well, how could that help me get a better life? Like, I just wanted to reduce the harm in my life. And, you know, we have uh, in Vancouver, uh, harm reduction is uh, mm -hmm. the main idea for recovery from addiction. But I really believe healing does come from within. And, and what do you, how do you fit inner peace and meditation in a harm reduction spectrum? When you look at harm reduction, to me, that's something that's there for those who need it. As you said at the beginning of the show, there's many different ways for people to get into their recovery. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to respect all these different ways to get into recovery. What I personally and from my experiences look at it is that harm reduction need not be our first course of action. But for someone who is totally struggling with the ability to stop the destructive behaviors, the more we can reduce that harm, the better we can be. And I don't see an incongruence between meditating and harm reduction because you can still guide the person into looking inward with those two questions. What do I like about who I am? deep within me and what do I need to improve deep within me 
we can still struggle with those. And, and especially the things that we need to improve, that's a lifelong process. You know, I don't know of anybody who's achieved, you know, hey, I've, I've reached the pinnacle, I'm, I'm perfect. So even in a harm reduction where, you know, yeah, I may still be using and, and all this other, what, what is it that I'm trying to work within myself that I'm trying to improve while I'm still doing some of the other actions? Um, now, maybe as I improve myself, I don't need harm reduction anymore. I mean, who, who knows where that goes? But I think we can still fit that in, into the model. I think we also have to look at how do we define uh, meditation? You know, is it like you say, you know, is it in, in the Buddhist tradition where I'm, I'm going to sit down and cross my legs and, you know, do all these different mantras or whatever? I mean, that's fine. I mean, that works. But I think there's other ways of meditating in the sense that if I can take action where I'm reducing the noise around me and I'm spending that time looking within myself, then that's meditating. And how does one do that? Uh, give some points, some tips. So I've, I'm a busy person. I work uh, nine to five, Monday through Friday, and then I got kids at home, and I've got all this stuff. And then somebody says you should meditate, and and by just I mean by default, you usually look at the Buddha. Uh, tell us uh, some <laughs> tips on other ways uh, that we could um, improve our life by meditating, and and tips on what that could look like. And that's a good scenario because I, I think that's where most of us fall. I mean, we are living busy lives. And to have an opportunity to sit down for an hour plus and, you know, be like the Buddha, that's awesome. But who has the time for that? Mm -hmm. I say get creative within your own schedule. So even if you can find at some point in your day, whether you're at work, in your office, you know, at home, wherever it may be, can you find 10 minutes in your day when, let's say you're at work, that maybe you can sit at your desk, close your eyes, don't take the phone calls, maybe put the phone on mute, whatever it might be, just spend those 10 minutes with you. You know, if you have a half hour lunch period, can you take 10 out of that half hour to do this? Um, you know, I, I've known of people who that becomes their restroom break. You know, it's like, hey, run into the restroom. Well, they're really going there to meditate for five, ten minutes. You know, it's whatever you can do. Now, people who have commutes, you know, I think during your commute is a huge wasted opportunity. I mean, if you're taking public transportation, you know, get some apps out there. And there's a lot of good apps and, and free apps as well on meditation. Put your uh, earbuds in, turn on the app close your eyes and let the commute now be a time of slower breathing, quiet meditation. If you're driving, well, maybe, you know, you don't want to get that, you know, quiet and all, but what can you do while you're driving that you can listen to that's more calming for you, a uh, different way of looking at commute. So when you're stuck in traffic, instead of honking that horn and getting all upset, Maybe just take a moment and look around. You know, are you in an area where there's some trees or some flowers you can notice? What's the person next to you? You know, can you give them a quick wave or something? You know, is there something you can do to distract yourself from the fact that this is a negative and do what you can to make it more of a positive? 
And we're talking to Chris Shea from uh, Life's Journeys blog, and uh, that's lifesjourneysblog.com. We're talking about meditation and inner peace. We're going to come back and talk about his new book, The Journey to Inner Peace Starts Here, a little bit more about his blogging as well. You're listening to Co-op Radio 100.5 FM, and we're going to go to our first song break. And uh, Darren, what are we listening to right now? Uh, we're doing some, uh, some Canadian boys, uh, again, Current Swell. This is thief of joy and we're just putting it on to a, a phone connection is this gonna work i hope so i've never done this before i'm, I'm playing it right now you are oh there it is and we'll be back with uh crochet in just a few minutes well, every single day i gotta find a way a way to avoid comparison it's the thief of joy every time Cause every single night it's like another fight to try to get to sleep Cause my mind well it just keeps running It just keeps running Is every single day just another way to tell me There's a reason that I must be here for something Yeah, here for A hard thing to grasp But leaving questions on your life And in your mind Cause every single day You gotta find a way A way to avoid comparison It's the thief of joy every time And every To Vancouver's Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. Uh, we've been on uh, on the air with uh, Chris Shea. Chris, where are you calling us from? I am calling from Maryland in the U.S. Uh, Maryland, okay. Never been, but uh, it sounds lovely down there. <laughs> oh, it is, it is. Maryland is a great state. Actually, I'm uh, down in a rural area of Maryland, uh, sitting right on the water. So yeah. it's actually a, a very gorgeous place to be. And, and I really appreciated the the sort of a layman approach 
to meditation like how i don't i don't know where it it became this this notion that it 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 has only to do with buddhism i mean maybe we need to call it something else uh, i mean i know there's a mindfulness sort of theme uh, you know taking taking over uh, the importance of mindfulness which is sort of a result of of meditation which is just like you say sitting alone taking an opportunity of of being in the car of going for a walk um you know for training ourselves to not think about what i'm doing next the next appointment the next you know thing that that we got to take care of is is the importance of making that 10 minutes of meditation as busy as the appointment or as important as the appointment as important as all the things that that we we say we're busy about um is is that is it just that i don't know whether it's the western culture or north america like technology just sort of being new countries uh, like do we have this uh, sort of desire or a need to not really know ourselves is it is it easier for human beings in a way to not take responsibility to not have to fear consequence if we just sort of remained a little bit ignorant I think it's all of the above you know because when you look at our society we do, and it, it could be technology, it, mm. but <clears throat> we do want to get what we can gain out of life with the, the simplest way possible to get it. And we want it now. And I really think that, that more and more our society is, is becoming like, like a, a person with an addiction. Yeah. You know, it, it's this whole thing, you know, give me what I want and give it to me now. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think when we talk about meditation and slowing down, you know, people are like, but I don't have time for that. You know, I'm, right. I'm too busy in my day. Yeah. Uh, you know, or people are talking about, well, slow down. Yeah, then, then I do have to take a look at me, and I don't want to take a look at me. Yeah. And, and I, I do equate that to, you know, a lot of clients that I've worked with, you know, who would say, you know, look, I, I hate that I'm using. I hate the, the lifestyle that I'm in while using, but you know what? That's a lot easier than dealing with what I have to deal with. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of our culture. You know, if, if I can sit down and watch Netflix or, or <laughs> you know, waste however much time on Facebook or whatever and not look at me, well, that's definitely worth it for me because then I don't have to deal with it. Yeah. But if I actually look at it, i got to deal with it. And that's exactly right. Yeah, the, I, the space between, the space between distraction, the space between busyness where, uh-oh, we might hit a, a personal truth. We might has, have a moment of awareness and it might not be pretty. Like, here's 39 years of life and 11 years uh, in recovery for myself to realize, and this was, you know, during a, a, a meditation or during a moment uh, where I realized um, something that humbled me was that I don't I don't deserve what I want all the time. I don't mm. deserve it. Like I haven't. I'm not. I'm not in the state of earning it. I I don't want to work for it. I don't want to take the time to get. I just want to sit and want it. And then that feeling that you know that insatiable feeling that we get when we when we see something else, someone else that has something that we want, and I just want it right now. It's just awful. And and I I remember thinking it's just like the moment of clarity. I I don't deserve that. Unless I'm willing to earn it and, and wait for it and, and, you know, go after it. I just, I don't deserve it. And that was sort of humbling for me. 
So I got to ask you, you you work in high schools, correct? I do a lot. Yes, I do. I work in high schools. I work at two different colleges. I have a private practice plus traveling and speaking and writing and podcasting and yeah. Ah, so My life is busy. Yeah. But at least it's focused on on you know achieving some some mindfulness. Now, do do you bring this like how young do you, do you encourage the active meditation or, or you know in in your in your travels? Well, definitely I encourage it in the high school. And, you know, the students that I uh, get the pleasure to work with, you know, I, I talk about this stuff and try to put it into their own context and, you know, what makes sense for them. Because I, I think it's very important, you know, meet people where they are, make it make sense to a, a person's experience, and they're more apt to do it. But I'll say, I, I've, through my travels and through uh, interviews I've done on my podcast, I, I've met some uh, very talented people who are taking mindfulness and putting it to young children. Yeah. Uh, in, in the form of books, uh, you know, primarily, although I, I've talked to some people who, you know, are, are taking it to the uh, elementary schools and, you know, younger and actually doing things with, with the students. But, you know, having the, these authors that I've spoken to, you know, really break it down for the kids. And and it's tremendous how they do that. I, that that's not a skill set of mine. I, hmm. I I need to speak to older people. <laughs> right on. But I love little kids. But <laughs> but it, it's it's great to see how how they take these mindfulness concepts, break it down, put it into a kid's book. Because to me, it, it, it's serving two purposes. I mean, one, the the kid from an early age when when they're very you know, impressionable is learning to slow down, to look at the little things, to reflect on ourselves. That That's tremendous. Right. But for the kids who can't read yet, the parents are reading these to the kids. So hopefully the parent is grabbing something out of this too and saying like, well, wait a minute, maybe I need to do that. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, to me, I, I don't think there's a age cutoff on, on either end of the spectrum as to who can really practice a, a mindfulness, but, I do challenge people, you know, make it make sense to you. Yeah. So yeah. Don't do a, a one thing fits all because it, it doesn't. That's not what life is about. Now, you have a book uh, that you've written. You want to tell us a little bit about the book? Yeah, sure. Thanks. I, uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, come on, it's called The Journey to Inner Peace Starts Here. And uh, I'm looking for this one to be the first in a series. Mm -hmm. um, you can get this on all the places, Amazon and the Nook and Google Play and some indie online stores. I mean, basically just Google it. You'll find it, I'm sure. Go to my website. But um, what I'm looking at for these is these are actually short books. Uh, this first one is only uh, I'm looking at the uh, paperback version is only 20-some pages. Oh, that's nice. Being that we are busy... You know, what I'm thinking in this series is, and I call it a motivational guidance series, how do we in small bits where you can sit down on your commute or whatever, pull up your e-reader, take a look at my book to get the key points of how do we begin this journey in finding that inner peace? What are those things that we need to change on a practical level that if we make those changes, we can start to get to inner peace? Right. And so, then the next books in the series will be of similar length, 
But in talking on a little more specifics, like, you know, what happens when adversity hits our life? How do I maintain a sense of peace? You know, what do we mean by hope? And how do I have the sense of hope? Mm-hmm. You know, so it'll be books on, on those topics will be coming out next to a few months. But right now, and that's why I call it the inner peace starts here is, you know, where do I begin? You know, what, what do I do if I, if I want to start looking at this? Right. Um, so yeah, grab grab the paperback or the e version, and it's a quick read on purpose, um, just to kind of get you started. I do have a few other books I'm in various stages of working that'll be longer, but uh, I really wanted this series just to kind of grab people and and just kind of move them along a little bit so that they can start to say, hey, I can do some of this stuff. Okay, well, Chris Jay, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, the book, uh, The Journey to Inner Peace, starts here. Uh, you know, check that out uh, if you're curious in, in sort of a, a, an easy guide to, uh, to meditation. Uh, thanks again for joining us, and, and we'll hit you up when, uh, you know, when the next v- version comes out. Awesome. I, I'd love to talk to you all again, and uh, th- this has been great. I, I appreciate your time. Thanks for being on our show today, Chris. Thank you very much. And his website is uh, lifesjourneyblog.com, and there you get information. Uh, you can read his blogs, which are fantastic, and uh, you can learn more about his book as well. Thanks for being on the show. Thank right. you. Have a great day. All right, everybody. Second song, little Tom Petty for you, and the Heartbreakers, of course. Don't come around here no more.
Welcome back to Talk Recovery down here in Vancouver's Co-op Radio Station, CFRO 100.5 FM, uh, Little Tom Petty, and uh, I think we're going to kick into some Van Morrison, a couple of classics to, on today's show. Uh, we have now uh, the best time of the show, uh, another personal story. Uh, she's not new to the studio, right? No. I mean, we've had Heidi down here before, um, but uh, you know what? The, everybody's life just, uh, you know, seems to get get good quick, eh? So, you know, it's it's always good to, to have people back in and, and, you know, see what's happening. So why don't you, you know, first, like, let's let's relate to some of our listeners. Um, what's a little bit of, of, of your story that, that got you into this into this? place in the first place well first of all thanks for having me here today you guys i always love the call saying come on down um come on down and i'm actually glad that i found out that the location had changed from last minute so Mm. um i mean i can interestingly relate to every everybody in recovery and everybody in addiction who's out currently um you know to the people we had to you know, sadly walk over at the front entrance um, to the hills in West Van, to uh, the beaches in California. I've, uh, you know, done it all. Um, you know, the bottom line was for the last five years of my using career, um, it was just me in my bedroom and that was it. So my addiction had won and, you know, put me in my own head alone. So. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I was just thinking about my last five years too. That's like, oh man, how isolated we become, hey? Yeah. Um, and so, what was it that? I, I mean, I just know that for me, like, I, I wasn't the the person making choices and decisions at that time in my life. I mean, I'm I, I am now a result of where I ended up because of some advice somebody gave, you know, members of my family or, you know, a latch last ditch effort you know i i really don't take credit for for my start what what was what was your introduction to your version of recovery um well interestingly uh for quite a while i really i i didn't know what i wanted because it wasn't presented to me on a silver platter um but i know i wanted change so um fellowship is a big part of my story uh so for the you know four years i was in and out of the rooms in vancouver area trying to find my way dragging my son you know my two-year-old son to meetings with me just desperate for like an hour of reprieve of from myself right um unfortunately that um you know i wasn't collected in the rooms i don't know why that happened but I mean I'm sure a lot of people were terrified of me coming into the rooms I you know driving and loaded with a a baby in my lap so to speak right I mean that's a that's a scary case but you know so um yeah I I, and for the the moral of that story is my addiction went deeper and um the social ministry of children got involved in my life and um decided that I was an unfit parent for my son and um, of course, I originally was kicking and screaming that one, trying to explain to them that I was the most perfect parent for my son, which I am, but not when I'm loaded right, on was, every drug there is imaginable. So I, I was going to say, I mean, that, that, 
like we're, we've just been talking with Crochet about your, you know, one's own ability to admit their faults, their defects, uh, you know, what they're not good at. I mean, it's it's so important to, to you know, to understanding, you know, your consequences or your responsibilities is, is having that. But, I mean, addiction comes with denial. Mm. And, you know, the ministry tells you you're, you're an unfit parent. I, I mean, that's soul-crushing, but at the same time, looking back, I mean... Oh, yeah, I mean, it was, of course I was. I, I mean, I, I literally was nodding and driving and, you know, yeah, I don't really want to get into the gory graph because mm. it is, it's gory and graphic details, to be honest. Like, yeah. you wouldn't, you know, a horror movie would be made out of what I was doing with my child yeah. in tow, so... And did that, did that become a motivating factor to change or motivator to stay the same? Um, finally, it became the motivating factor to change. Like I knew, I knew I had to do something different, but I did not know what I had to do. Mm. And, um, it most certainly, well, I wasn't going to be able to figure this out on my own. I, I actually, to be honest, I, you know, I had done a couple stints and detox. I didn't really know that there was all these options that are available to us today. And I mean, and, and since I've come, you know, came in six and a half years ago, it's definitely gotten greater, like, you know, and more, you know, I don't know what the word is off the top of my head, but yeah, I mean, socially acceptable to right. be in recovery, I guess, is the right I, term. I, I think so, and, and I think that, I mean, this this exact moment, this show, these personal stories are, are a catalyst to that, and, you know, I, I sometimes you get these these philosophies of, of, you know, anonymity and what that means and rules about about sharing, especially on air in, in a radio station, and, I mean, of course, that's that's in the 12 step fellowship whether that's what you do or not it, it, like it, it's just it's one area of recovery that wants to help people not feel like they're going to be exposed when they're new oh right and i mean I, imagine having the, the version uh, your your child taken away from you you're a week clean and you have to tell that story on air like you wouldn't do it no you wouldn't and do you, it. Would, you would absolutely scoff no. at, at anybody that would tell you you would have to and and that's why i think anonymity is important in somebody's beginning when they're vulnerable a vulnerable person and you know we're we're now people in recovery you are now a person in recovery yeah correct and so now these stories can become what people need to hear well and it's do or die now right i mean it's it's changed a lot over the years too and and honestly i i i'm you know of course have studied like anything in my life the you know traditions and whatnot um i'm responsible for speaking only on behalf of my own recovery mm -hmm. where the line is crossed is if i start talking about you publicly right mm -hmm. so i'm into i'm actually able to talk about anything that i want to publicly yeah and that's the bottom line so yeah. and i'm going to do it because if, if somebody else did it for me i probably would have come in a lot sooner yeah and I mean, like we're we're talking about the opportunity of recovery, yeah. and that it isn't it isn't a, a building, it's not a place, it's it's an idea, 
it's a way of life and you know it's the it's also the hope that anybody that's currently in a place where they can't stop using Mm -hmm. it's going to be hard it's there's some roads to take there's some avenues you don't just stop using and become a person in recovery that can share their stories proudly it's something that's earned and and but i i know and, and through all the personal stories we've had it's just there's a pride there's a sense of you know i i don't say lack of regret i think that there's always for me anyways a bit of regret of my past but there is a a knowing that everything i've gone through has allowed me to sort of have this message and 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 give me that opportunity to share it um and and now we've had you on again Mm -hmm. and so last time what was going on your you had a clothing line yes yep and i still have it okay yeah still going strong and and so what Tell us a little bit of the history. What started it for you? Um, well, interestingly, I, um, you know, I my background is uh, fine arts, graphic design, and I have, as a freelance uh, graphic designer, I was doing a lot of projects for other people, and uh, you know, as a strong-minded, opinionated person in the work field out there, I was really struggling with like having to do it your way. Surprise, surprise, hmm. for an addict, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so. I decided to follow my passion, which, you know, in my first couple years of recovery became recovery and um, fashion. I have a fashion background also, and then uh, my arts background, and I incorporated all three of them and came up with the clothing line, which consisted of only 12 shirts back then. Um, You, you know, and I couldn't keep up with the demand on those 12 shirts. Wow, right on. Yeah. And now we're sitting at about 48 different messages. 48? 48 different messages, and I've expanded off of shirts um, onto wellness wear, onto, uh, like, leggings and... Uh, hoodies and yeah you name it. For all seasons. All (laughs) seasons like every time it's like a new collection you know I just did this whole party sober without minus the one word that is on front of the shirt (laughs) on radio. We can't say Uh, it. Yeah you know like this over the summer and just yeah I do these little collections of where I'm at in my thinking and my mind and I'm you know so that's just kind of how it how it works for us right now. Yeah. And there and there's a uniqueness to it. Like there's mm-hmm. a, you know, if if you can imagine, there's, you know, a couple two two to three, like le- uh, words, in each message on each shirt. Is is there what's the longest sort of message on one of your shirts? Mm, well, of course, it's it's actually an interesting process because my my initial like start has a multiple amounts of words in it oh yeah and i've learned that i mean have to downsize and simplify so um you know i i would probably say uh you know one keyword and then maybe like five to six yeah. like so my you get the you get the message yeah. as you walk by the shirt you, you don't have to, to stop and message. read it right yeah, you yeah. know yeah and girls don't want people can you tell us can you can you tell us what the like the top selling message shirt is um on radio I don't know what words oh, I'm it? allowed to oh, say. Yeah, the- no, 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 no. I mean, um, we did a really fun line. I decided um, I've learned about myself, you know, th- through uh, lots of. I happen to be in a 12-step program, so I have the opportunity to rewrite and write, you know, the steps over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that I can be exactly who I am 
And, um, you know, I'm not censoring myself on multiple levels, whether it's recovery or my language or whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. um, as a mother, I don't care, whatever it looks like. So I've decided to do this whole line with uh, the F-bomb in the middle of it. And okay. I'm not going to lie. I actually, it was a risk I took. I, I went to New York City uh, to the Marianne Williamson and Gabby Bernstein uh, women's um, right. you know this big huge thing and I was like oh, should I launch it there and I'm like yeah why not so I did all the spiritual you know the safe bets <laughs> and then I dropped the one shirt there and I sold out within seconds and oh, okay. the people that were buying it were people I wouldn't imagine the people who want to be what they want to be yeah and so that message has like gone skyrocketed I think it's an appropriate use of the yeah. f-bomb I mean you're not just throwing it around yeah. loosely it's really it's it's making the point yeah and, it, and it's making the message sort of strong. I yeah, think. it's like unf yourself, right? There so, you go. Yeah. so I mean, let's be honest. We all could take a little yeah, bit of that medicine. That's, that's something I had to do from day one. Yeah, um, yeah. not something I wanted to do. Yeah, um, I was told I had to, and I, you know, when I came to recovery, I thought the world had to unf itself. You yeah, because it's all them, not it's us. It's all them, you know. And so if you're sitting there struggling right now and suffering and you want to unf the entire world, I got news for you. Uh, ain't going to change anything. The only thing you can unf, unf is yourself. yourself. And that's exactly what our first guest was talking about as well as inner peace. And the core of our disease is self-centeredness. And so I need to unf myself first before yeah. I can see any type of peace and, and move forward in my life. So we're really proud of Heidi. You were also at Pride this weekend. I sure was. And what was that like for you? What was the uh, the question they have is, so people are walking by, you know, in Vancouver, it's like Pride's drugs, weed, alcohol, let's do it. Yeah, do it hard. And then all of a sudden, there's Heidi selling a party effing sober shirt. Yeah. Um, I know when I was using it, I'd be like, that's weird. So what was the reaction for people uh, when they walked by your booth? Well, first of all, like, hats off to Pride. I mean, that my first year going to that event, I'm usually away at a different, like, camping retreat in the yeah. woods this weekend. <laughs> Um, you know, I still have glitter coming out of all angles on me and my bed is full of it. But it, you know what? It was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, music and energy is a form of drug to me, yeah. for lack of a better term. Um, so... Wow, I was actually shocked at this event. I've been doing a couple different events over the summer, more, um, you know, along catering along music festival, that kind of stuff, going with our, our Party Sober line. And um, that one took the cake. And I could not believe how many people in Vancouver uh, came out of the woodwork. Like, it was interesting. It became, once again, this is quite common for my booths. We also become a safe zone for people. So they will, like, kind of come through the masses and come in there and grab a seat and sit down and go, I just need, like, which I can relate to. Mm -hmm. I just need some downtime. And I see your shirt, and I want to be, like, with you guys, mm -hmm. you know. So a lot of people I didn't recognize. I know a lot of people in Vancouver across the board in recovery and lots of new people mm -hmm. um, making an appearance. And I sold out of absolutely everything while I was there. Oh, that's fantastic. So, um, yeah. Uh, that's just how it is. Any interesting questions from the audience or from the crowds that were there? Like, you know, what is this all about and all that? Um, no, I, this this one in particular, we were up in Kelowna last weekend at Center of uh, Gravity. 
and I had a lot of people come up to me like, how can you have fun? And like, you know, it's like, you know, and I'm like, well, why don't you ask me tomorrow? Exactly. Right? Yeah. When I'm still here and yeah. you're still here watching the sun come up. Exactly. You know, but... And I uh, can remember this conversation <laughs> and you can. Yeah, exactly. But this... We're not dissing anyone that uses. No. If you use, by all means, have fun. I had a great time using a long time ago, but it just changed for me. We're running out of time. It's time for us to uh, move on. And uh, if you are uh, interested in our show or have any ideas, you can uh, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Talk Recovery Vancouver, or you can email Jordan, who's holding the camera. Hi, Jordan. You can email Jordan at community at lastdoor.org. This show is powered by New West Recovery. And uh, you can uh, be a guest on our show. You can be like Heidi, and you could be a personal story, too. Heidi, thank you very much for being on our show. How can people buy your shirts? Uh, They can go to my website, www.addictivedesigns.ca. Thank you, Heidi. And don't forget, September 7th and September 8th is the Recovery Capital Conference of Canada. September 9th is Recovery Day BC. That whole week is Recovery Week BC. So come on and be part of recovery and show some support for recovery and uh, register for the conference. It's a great learning curve. Darren, how are we finishing off today? Right side of the road, little Van Morrison. listening to this episode with Chris Shea. Learn more about Chris Shea by visiting his website, www.lifesjourneyblog.com.